How has medication error tracking evolved over the years? What have we learned? And what programs are in place to generate information about mistakes we've made in the past? How can we harness emerging technology in a way that allows us to be more careful moving forward? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Focus on Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk, PharmD. Our guest is Diane Cousins, a registered pharmacist and vice president of the Department of Healthcare Quality and Safety Documentary Standards Division at the United States Pharmacopeia. Ms. Cousins was instrumental in assembling the first USP advisory panel on medication errors and in helping create the National Coordinating Council for Medication Error Reporting and Prevention, or NCC MERP. Diane, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Let's start with a little bit of background. What is USP and how long has it been around? Well, USP is a private nonprofit organization, and we set official public standards for drugs, both prescription and over-the-counter drugs, as well as dietary supplements, food ingredients, and other healthcare products that are manufactured and sold in the United States. And USP has been around since 1820, so we have a long history of setting these standards. Their standards were actually recognized by the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and this is what gave us the legal authority to establish the standards so that when USP sets standards, they can be enforced by the Food and Drug Administration. How has USP evolved over the years? USP standards are actually used in more than 130 countries around the globe, and we now have four international offices. So over the years, USP has begun to set standards in new and different areas, some of the most recent, for example, in dietary supplements and food ingredients. But their history really goes back to the days when pharmaceuticals were compounded. Interestingly, as technology developed, those products became manufactured And interestingly, we're circling back around so that we're starting to see more and more compounded pharmaceuticals once again. And so we set standards not just for manufactured dosage forms, but also for compounded dosage forms. What's your role at USP? Well, the Department for Healthcare Quality and Safety at USP focuses on a few different areas. First, in the area of standard setting, we set standards for compounded pharmaceuticals, both sterile and non-sterile. In the area of drug nomenclature, we actually establish the official title for a drug. So this would be, for example, potassium chloride concentrate for injection. It's kind of what people think about as the generic name for the drug and the one you see most prominently beneath the brand name of any drug product. We also set standards for safe practice and safe use of medicines. And a lot of this activity grows out of the area of medication error prevention, something we got into back in the early 90s with the Institute for Safe Medication Practices. We began to collect reports on medication errors from healthcare practitioners, and then we were looking for ways that USP could use that information to prevent future errors from occurring. So this would be in the areas of packaging, labeling, naming of these drug products. So you mentioned over the last couple of decades, USP became involved heavily in medication error reporting. To whom does USP report the errors? The errors are reported to USP by a multitude of healthcare professionals primarily, although we do get some reports from consumers. They can contact us by a myriad of ways. They can phone, they can fax, they can send in a written report. But they're usually reporting to us because they feel that this is something that needs to be brought to national attention that this is something they don't want to see happen again, and they feel that the influence USP has on the national level can help to achieve that. 
When we receive reports from these folks, we send information off to various parties to try to affect that change. One, for example, is the Food and Drug Administration, so that they can look for ways that products can be modified through labeling, packaging, naming of drugs. We also share reports with the Institute for Safe Medication Practices, which I know many healthcare professionals know have been dedicated to error prevention for many years now, and they're really our partner uh, in doing education, conducting seminars, publishing, and the like with the information that we receive. We also share information with pharmaceutical industry so that they can make the appropriate changes in products, and they do this quite willingly without necessarily the urging of the Food and Drug Administration, although that loop exists so that if something needs attention and it's not getting it, uh, the FDA can take the appropriate action to make that happen. What's the MedMarks program? Well, MedMarks was the second of our reporting programs that we launched in 1998. We had been getting uh, requests from hospitals and healthcare practitioners. They knew we were operating a medication errors reporting program, and they were wondering if there was some way that the database that we operated here could be ported into their facility. They were beginning to be asked by the Joint Commission, you know, what are you doing in this regard, how are you tracking medication errors? And so they were looking to us for the way that we were doing this at the national level. It really was the only external reporting that healthcare practitioners had at the time. We designed MedMarks from hearing the concern and the interest in what it was that they were trying to capture and to document. And we developed it in a way that they would use this information not just for their own gain, but also in a way that would allow the sharing of this information among the participating hospitals and, of course, with USP. So MedMarks is an Internet-accessible database that is anonymous by nature. So we know what hospitals participate, but once they're in the system, we don't know which errors belong to which hospitals. And this anonymity of MedMarks has really led to its success. We have more than a million and a half records on file at this point from hospitals, probably numbering around 900 that have participated over the years. The ability for them to submit information in a standardized way and then to not only share their information with others, but to learn from others what their experiences were in this medication arena and how did they aim their targeted solutions at these errors to prevent them from happening again in the future. This is an excellent shared learning system for hospitals and their related health systems. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Our guest is Diane Cousins, Vice President at the USP, or United States Pharmacopeia's Department of Healthcare Quality and Safety Documentary Standards Division. We're discussing programs in place to track medication errors, and we were most recently discussing the MedMarks program. Diane, over the years, what sort of increase in annual volume of medication error reporting have you seen at USP? Well, you know, it's interesting. Over the years, the numbers of reports that we have been getting has certainly been increasing, and we attribute this to a few different things. First, I think within hospitals and health systems, there's a better understanding of exactly what is a medication error. Why does it need to be reported? How do you properly document it? And properly, I would underscore... When we first started the program, there was really very little information available about an event, and so some of the more serious outcomes, it was difficult to understand what the entire situation might have been when this error occurred. 
But what we've been able to teach these participating hospitals is the kind of information that's most useful to capture in documenting their events. And so, number one, they know better what they need to track and trend. Number two, they've learned, I think, over time that part of an increased reporting within an institution is very strongly dependent on the culture within that institution. And so when a culture of learning is embraced by particularly administrators and most especially by the physicians on staff, we find that the willingness to document, to report, the ability to identify errors increases dramatically because there's support for identifying those kinds of events. We also found that by our work in various other programs, we were able to educate the community in the kinds of things that we were seeing. And so by feeding back information to the hospitals, it gave them a better idea of the kinds of things they could track and trend. And what happened was there was a change in hospitals from identifying these incidents as merely events to progressing to a point where they could learn from these events in a way that was even proactive. So, for example, they use the MedMarks database to check products out that they're going to add to their formulary, or if they're adding a new strength of the drug to their formulary. They'll take a look in the MedMarks database and see what errors have been reported so that they can create the safety nets that prevent these kinds of errors from happening at their institution. We also have seen a lot of the learning that goes on relative to technology. And so while they're in a phase of planning to implement technology, they can learn what other institutions have experienced in this realm and then to try to design those things out of the system. So all of that created this general awareness in these institutions about the kinds of things that could and should be reported. And eventually we began to see this growth in the number of events that were being disclosed. Taking it back to the listener, what sort of benefits would you say individual healthcare practitioners might realize or how might they be impacted by participating in something like MedMarks? Well, I think one of the benefits of participation in MedMarks is the fact that these participants can use the database for their benefit. They can look not only at their own records and search and sort and trend over time, and there are powerful tools in MedMarks that allow them to do that, but they're also able to look outward at what other hospitals are experiencing. So they can search the data of all of the hospitals that are participating in MedMarks, and the anonymity of those institutions is preserved. By being able to look to those events in a shared learning way, they not only learn about the event, but MedMarks also tracks what did the facility do to prevent this event from happening again in the future. And so there's the benefit of not only learning about the event, but what can be done to prevent that. Changing gears for just a moment, just a few months ago, USP unveiled a new online tool called Drug Error Finder. How does the program work? Well, you know, we had this concept for Drug Error Finder when we produced the MedMark's eighth annual report. And we, we do a report to the nation each year on various topical areas that we think are of particular interest to the public at that point in time. And this year, we chose look-alike, sound-alike drug names as the topic of the eighth annual report. In preparing that data, we realized that the number of drugs that were involved, more than 1,400 different 
drugs. And they combined in ways to form more than 3,000 pairs of drug names that had been mixed up. And because the list was so large, we knew that we needed to provide something more electronic that would allow not only healthcare professionals, but the public in general to identify where these drug names are being mixed up. What are the names that are causing confusion? And this involves drug names that are both prescription and over-the-counter. It involves, even in some cases, a few international drug names that were confused with products available here in this country. And in some cases, there are as many as 15 different drugs that are confused with one, as in the case of cefazolin. There are actually 15 other products that were confused at one point or another. Given the explosion of drug approvals in recent years, we could see this problem only getting worse. And so this idea of a drug finder was something that we thought could put, in a practical way, into the hands of the public a method to identify the drug names that are being confused one for another. So anybody can go on to, say, the USP website and find the drug error finder and use it. Is it user-friendly? Well, we actually developed the drug error finder here at USP, and it's very easy to use, and it will tell the user a few different things. It will tell them which other drugs were confused with it, and these could be drug names that looked alike. They could be drug names that sounded alike. And not only that, it tells you whether these errors were significant relative to the outcome to the patient. So using the category index of the National Coordinating Council for Medication Error Reporting and Prevention, which I think many healthcare practitioners are aware of, we categorized these errors in a way that lets you know, did these errors actually reach the patient or were they intercepted along the way? If they reached the patient, did they cause harm? If they caused harm, to what degree? And so there are some areas where these drug names that resulted in more harmful errors really deserve more attention, not only by the patients that use them, but by the practitioners that prescribe and dispense them. We've been talking with Diane Cousins about the evolution of medication error tracking and the development of tools to reduce med errors. Diane, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and you've been listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Please be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MDXM-157, and thank you for listening.